to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Mr. Edge, we're giving the people what they want. A huge discussion about paline, better known as ractopamine. And it is a monster. But before we get to discussing this topic and the folks who are going to be on this episode, let's give a shout out to people that deserve it. First and foremost, Walt Webcasting is the way to see livestock like you've never seen it before. Folks, we've been saying this for weeks and months and months on end. You need to subscribe to waltonwebcasting.com and see every single event that they're at. And if it's going on live, you can look at it as if you're standing ringside every single time. It's super Almost cheap. even better. Yeah, it's super cheap. It's $4.99 a month. Like Corey always says, you can find that in your couch cushions. So let's do that, folks. Subscribe to waltonwebcasting.com. If you haven't seen the incredible mixtapes that uh, DJ DJ Greg is mixing up, it's incredible. It's hilarious. It's awesome. So let's do that. Waltonwebcasting.com. Thank you. Um, cannot wait to see San Antonio Bear Show on Walton Webcasting. Oh, yeah. Really pumped about that. And I'm sure that we'll see, you know, maybe a on the road with Greg segment at some point in time from the trip. So, oh, I'm sure that's a long way down. So that's a lot of road time. Yeah. Also looking forward to that. So the other thing is folks that we got to remember is it, we are literally approaching the heat of show pig buying season. That being said, there is how many millions of pigs how many millions of dollars worth of pigs that get sold on showpig.com? Obviously, that's the place to go buy them. You don't have to buy a million-dollar show pig. But what you can do is if you're looking for live event coverage or an advertising package for your herd or your pig sale, go to showpig.com. Currently, the original price of said live event package, which increases your uh, awareness and promotional Opportunities with two weeks worth of featured banner and email blast sent directly to more than 18,000 inboxes. Original ply price is $600. But even better, you can promote your upcoming sale with a featured banner ad. That's the big one for only $100 per week. Not bad, folks. I'm just saying. Not bad. Not bad at all. Anyways, showpig.com. If you haven't heard of them and you have show pigs, look it up. Speaking of uh, showpig.com, I was, uh, as you said, we're in the heat of pig buying season. And mm-hmm. I was on the road looking at hogs that I uh, need to place for people. And, you know, tis the season. So I came across uh, Sterling Show Pigs and AML Genetics. We're going to have an online sale here coming up. Uh, Sunday, March 1st. So I was like, well, heck, that's not very far from um, the Madison County Fairgrounds where that, that show was a couple weeks ago. So I stopped by there. And um, man, I'm telling you what, I was pretty impressed. Uh, they're having a sale on the March 1st. That is a Sunday. But they're also having an open house on February 29th all day long. And then the day of the sale, March 1st from 12 to 6, are going to have food and free beverages. So I will be in attendance looking at really good swine. They had uh, 
I think you may have heard of some of these boards. Never before, Social Society, no. No. or Secret Society, uh, Uproar, you know, no. good stock. So Never heard of them. Yeah, they are uh, getting it done, and it just goes to show that you don't have to have a big name to raise good ones. Uh, good people raise good stock, and these are good people. So uh, I've, I've put eyes on them, and I will be bidding. So please feel free to bid against me on March 1st on showpig.com. Um, they know how to do it and they're doing it right because these hogs look really, really good. Again, that's Sterling show pigs and AML genetics right here in Ohio. Very, very easy to get to actually. So makes it even better on March 1st. That's a Sunday on showpig.com. Hmm. How about that? Well, we always love promoting the great people of our industry and Kirky. You might have to pay a little bit more for those pigs now that everybody knows about it. Yeah, well, but it's okay. That's right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have gotten hundreds, I'm not even kidding, hundreds of messages asking us when we are going to talk about the paleen topic. So, this is a topic so big that it can't even fit in a hat. This is a topic so big that it can't even fit inside of a feed bin anymore, mostly because they're not allowed to. (laughs) This is a topic that we had to get four expert opinions on just so that we could bring you the full scope of what's happening right now. What do you rectopa mean, Trevor? I don't know, man, but this topic is huge. And of course, take it away. All right, folks, we're not taking a break to do topics from a hat. This is the topic from the hat, the biggest hat that you can find. And the only hat that we get Comes from our friends at Fierce Threads. Big fan of the Richardson 225s. New one. Oh, it's like the Richardson 220, except structured front. Big fan for a large guy, even for small guys that like a little structured front. That's it. That's a good hat to get. High quality screen printing and embroidery only done by our friends at Fierce Threads. Visit fierce-threads.com today. Place your order. If you're selling livestock, what a great gift to give your customers is some apparel. Get it done. With the folks at Fear Shreds. Or your loved one with, with Fallen Valentine's Day coming up. Yeah. Uh, That'd be yeah, a good well, gift. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Folks, Ooh, the biggest it's time. hat. It's time. The biggest topic from a hat is is coming. And we're going to tell you right now who the lineup that you're about to listen to involves. Starting off, a huge previous guest, fan of the show. Dr. Todd Price is going to be our first guest that you're going to hear from to get the veterinary side of the discussion of paline and ractopamine. And he also has a commercial herd, and he also has a show pig herd. So wears many hats. I'm sure folks out there have heard um, the interview he did online before. Uh, But this one is uh, more in-depth, I think, uh, covers a lot of a lot of different topics from a veterinary's perspective. And what are we doing on the show show side? What are we doing on the level that probably affects most of us? Well, we're going to hear about that from none other than Clayton Zwilling himself, the CEO of the NSR. And folks, if you if you haven't listened to this point of just the incredible minds that we have on this episode. Mr. Clayton's willing is going to give us a little bit of a rundown of what's happening with the NSR and JSA folks that they're talking to across the country that are making these decisions at these shows and fairs. Pretty interesting stuff. 
And then immediately following that, another good friend of the show, a big fan that we are going, along with Clay, we're going to get a big episode with him, but we wanted to tie him down for this particular topic, so more to come from Mr. Zwelling. After that, you're going to hear from Mr. Kane Cosmaker of Illinois, a very competitive show pigs himself, and he, his day-to-day job is on the pork procurement side. So you're going to hear what uh, the commercial folks are saying uh, about this topic and how it relates to all pork, not just show pigs. So uh, Kane Cosmaker is going to shed some light on that while also being a show dad. How does that affect the show dads out there wanting to feed some paline and what his advice is on that front? That's right. Well, speaking of feeding paline, we could not complete the full circle without involving some show feed and to round out our Mount Rushmore of Ractopamine experts. How about that, Trev? I there just used a, a Mount Rushmore reference. Very good. Cause we have four, four people, you know, mm-hmm. four heads on Mount Rushmore. Anyway, <laughs> this would be a hilarious graphic by the way, to put all four of their faces on a Mount Rushmore and post it. I just, I hope we do that. I um, challenge it. Maybe a listener out there. Go ahead and email that to yep. us. Figure it out. So figure it out. The fourth head that you need to put on that Mount Rushmore is Mr. Ed Tice. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who Ed Tice is, he's the the lead sales guy at Lender United and Lender Show Feeds. And talk about a guy that's really involved with this whole uh, project, this rectopamine free discussion. Ed from the Show Feeds side knows a lot. He's been in this industry forever. And he's going to shed some light on what they are doing as a feed company, what others should be doing or thinking about doing, and uh, how it's going to impact us in the long run. So that's the four guests, Trevor, from the biggest hat that we could pull a topic from. My gosh. Folks, you are in for quite the discussion that everybody wants to know about nowadays. And we have four guests that know quite a bit about it. Without further ado, folks, let's get to it. What do you Ractopa mean? Alrighty. Well, we have Dr. Price here back on uh, for another episode. If you guys want to hear more from Todd Price and his operations, uh, he has he wears many hats, as we say, but we have a full interview with him that we did uh, a few months ago. Seems like forever ago, but... I guess it uh, wasn't that long ago, but he's back and talk to, to talk about this paline topic. So, Dr. Price, thanks for jumping back on, and uh, we're anxious to kind of hear your thoughts on this topic. I guess to get started, just kind of explain to us and our listeners, what exactly is paline? Well, hi, Trevor. Thanks for having me back. Um, Paline is uh, the actual name of it is ractopamine. Paline is the product that's approved to be fed in pigs, in swine, um, and so it's been a product we've used both commercially and in the show world for years now. And and it's a product that increases muscle deposition. It also decreases fat and improves feed efficiency. So from a commercial standpoint, we fed it for all of those because we could get a Oh, about a six-pound heavier carcass and, and a reduction in uh, improvement in feed efficiency and and uh, a leaner carcass, so we got paid more. From the show pig end of things, we were always feeding it to try to get, you know, a little back pop, a little more muscle on our pig, uh, a little more 
um, look to him as he hit the arena. So been something we've used for years. Um, uh, it, it actually fits in a beta agonist, which is scientific kind of deep stuff, but fits in the beta agonist class of products, which is how it works. Um, and it, uh, like I said, it improves muscle deposition and uh, works at the cell level to do those things. So, Gotcha. So uh, it's been used for quite a number of years, as you said, and uh, both commercially and Showpig. I mean, I guess the Showpig gets the blunt end of it just because uh, they're the ones finding Packers most of the time. But um, so it's been used across the uh, pork industry. So the next question I have, and, and Corey's here with us and he can touch on uh, these next two questions, but why the sudden ban? Uh, since we've been using it for quite a number of years in both uh, commercial production and obviously show pig production. Why all the sudden, sudden, is it a big deal to go ahead and ban ractopamine in our pork? So basically, if you look at, at U.S. production of pork, we export almost 27% of our product. So the export market has gotten much more attention of late in the last few years because we're exporting so much. And, and, of recently, we're getting more and more uh, attention on it because we have to export that product to continue our markets. And so the packers are wanting to export it to keep to keep their pork flowing through their plant. And the, this is kind of a packer-driven deal, right? Because uh, commercially, it's different than show pigs. And commercially, the packer tells us, you know, what they want. And so although paline or ractopamine has been approved for pigs for years, they're now saying that, hey, we have 100 countries out here that don't want it. And so we're going to start working our way through it. So although this hit the show pig industry just kind of this year, remember, we've slowly been stepping this way as a commercial industry, right? So uh, in Southern Michigan, the cold water plant that that has been rectoping free since it went up and started a couple years ago. Um, and the packers have slowly over this last year going rectopamine free as well. Um, so a lot of the information we have on how to step pigs negative and how to how to step a flow negative are because we've been doing it commercially uh, and and working on it. So basically, although it's hit the show pig industry kind of hard this year, as commercial producers, we've been working through this as a veterinarian. I've been working with my commercial producers to work them through this, understand the testing, understand what we're doing with it, and how to get those pigs to go negative and how to raise a ractopamine free pig. So. Um, again, it's been working a couple years now on the sh on the commercial world, but kind of hit the show pig world this year hard because kind of the deadline for for uh, packers wanting wanting paleo free pigs is about this spring, and with the show pig seasons being just kind of an annual deal for most pigs, most people and their projects, um, it just kind of hit over this winter time here. What is what is being considered uh, paleo free, or what's the level of tolerance right now in the commercial sector? So if you look at if you look at um, uh, at, at the, the other countries that are wanting it, if you look, take China for instance. So they their testing level is 100 parts per trillion. If it's over that, it's considered in violation. Uh, other countries have different levels. Um, the World Health Organization has worked with. Um, uh, they have their own have their own set of scientists and they have their own research area, you know, and, and they recommended in 2014 that anything below 10 parts per billion was 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 okay for human consumption around the world but other countries understand can have their own requirements so hmm. um in this country we're at you know we're at 50 parts per billion um as that level um 
and re- people have to remember this is not an antibiotic, so it doesn't have to be. Um, it's not like it has a, a, a zero level of tolerance. Right. Um, it's been been determined in this country to be safe for human consumption as well as Mexico and Canada. We've used it for years and consumed the meat off of it. But unfortunately, we don't control all the other countries. And then there's politics that play a role, right? If if uh, um, a certain country doesn't want to import pork from us, uh, they can put pressure on other ways. And then sometimes they'll pick up pick something like this. So, um, and we don't run that country, so we have to kind of deal with what the, the hand that they dealt us. So I've got a bunch of questions piling up in my brain now <laughs> as we've continued okay. this conversation. So, so when you talk about that, that part of it, you know, the FDA and USDA um, consider ractopamine a, uh, an approved substance or, or, or an approved feed additive. So, you know, from your standpoint and the commercial producers you've talked to, um, is there discussion of completely, you, you know, of the FDA and USDA deregulating or, or, cracking down a little bit more on, on that particular, um, substance. So I don't, I don't think that will happen. And and none of our producers are looking that way because again, it's a, it's, we believe our science in this country and I wholeheartedly believe in it. Um, but we don't control what other countries tell us what they want Mm -hmm. and they don't tell us as producers, right. They tell the packer and then the packer tells us. Um, and in the small world we have of packers, um, if you look at the, if you look at the eastern Midwest, there's basically five or six packers that kill 95% of the pigs. Um, so they can be told really quick, um, you know, what what they need to do as far as when, they're, when their customer talks to them. So um, it makes it a little bit different. So I don't think we're going to see a uh, we're going to see the USDA change their 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 the FDA change their their uh, response to it or change their level that they that they'll accept. Uh, unfortunately, that makes the the okay. That makes it more confusing for our customers because they say, <laughs> well, the USDA says we can feed it or the FDA says we can feed it, but but the packer says we can't. And unfortunately, that's yep. you, you have to abide by everybody. So that's that's the interesting part. So you just mentioned that, you know, there's there's a select group of of um, packers out there that, you know, are responsible for harvesting the largest number of, of, of pigs a year. Um so how how can we police the use of ractopamine, especially in the show stock industry, uh, when we all know, or at least some of us that have have done some research know that the cross contamination of that particular product is um, insane. How long it survives and and where it lives, um, and how it can be uh, contaminated or transferred, um, you know, even based on nose to nose contact. So what's um, what's some things that you're seeing on on how we're going to be able to police the the use of it. So in, in, in reality, what's going to happen is, is, is understand that it's not, a, it's not a positive or negative test, okay? So it's a test that can also give us a level. So there'll be a screening test out there that, that Neogen has that's a good product, very rapid, and a lot of packing plants are using that now in their, in their pens where they're storing the pigs before they're slaughtered, and they'll hang a rope and just use oral fluids to test. It's very easy. Um, you can do urine tests on it. So what I would see happening is, first of all, it, let me back up a second. First of all, it's it's an honor system that we tell our packer that we're going to provide them with a with a paline free pig, and then we work with that packer to to make sure that we're getting there right because we all know that there can be a residue in a commercial elevator, there can be residue in our bins and our feed in our in our barns, and so it may take us a while to work that way. Um, and like I said before, we've worked with several commercial clients to, to help them walk that way through the testing. Um, 
it's a very amicable process. We work together with the packer. Um, as far as the fairs go, um, you know, there can be there can be testing done at the fair, and we understand that there's cross contamination. But everybody needs to know that if your pig was on a trailer that another that was dirty and another pig had been fed paline and they picked it up through urine or through contaminated um, um, straw or bedding, the level that pig has will not be the same as a pig that was fed paline at the label approved dosage of four and a half to nine grams per ton. Mm. It'll be totally different. So a pig fed four and a half to nine grams per ton is going to be, you know, in that 20 to 30 parts per billion in the urine for a week after they're done feeding it. So a that, pig with cross-contamination is going to be way below that. So it doesn't mean that it's not going to test. It's the level that it tests at that's, right. that's hanging everybody up. So it's truly not not truly ractopamine-free. It's uh, under a certain threshold of acceptance is kind of what I'm gathering. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. And if you – a lot of 4-Hers this year will be looking at most of these county fairs that we're working with – and I'm and I'm getting information from them. they're going to have they're going to ask the kids to sign an affidavit, and and it's saying that you raised it ractopamine free is what it's is what they're saying. Okay, the ones coming out from right. Ohio State now are saying I signed that this pig was raised ractopamine free. That means to the best of your knowledge, you've never fed that pig ractopamine, right? It doesn't mean that, that doesn't there mean can't that it be some kind before. of exactly exactly. Right. So right. so it's everybody needs to just kind of take a breath and and relax. <laughs> And we're going to work through this, and it's going to be a learning year, and it's okay. Um, but you know, we have to we have to work through that. The testing has people scared, and it has people uncertain, but they need to rest assured that it, it'll get worked out. And it, the testing availability is there. So let me give you, for instance, as we're working our barns negative, we feed forty thousand commercial pigs a year. As we're working our barns negative, there are times that we'll have paline feed left in the bin. And then we're we're just now starting to raise, go negative. We need to be negative by April 1st. So we're working with our packer to test the pigs that come off those barns that had paling in the last group. Okay. So we might have had a, 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 a dusting in the bins or a dusting in the boot or the feed auger going through the system. Right. The whole barn was washed, but we don't wash our barn and our feed auger and everything and, and the internal parts of that. So we already know, working with other clients, um, that 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 pig will go negative on our testing credentials. Will go negative if he just got a mild exposure at fifty to seventy pounds. They'll mm-hmm. go negative by the time they're in market, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that, and we know we can we can we can walk our way through that. So it's 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 we're learning every. Every time we turn somebody negative, we're, we're learning how to do it. We're learning more about testing. And certainly we know enough to know that we can tell whether a pig got fed ractopamine or if it got incidentally exposed. So show folks listening, rest assured that it is a quantitative test, meaning there's a certain level uh, of acceptance and quote unquote ractopamine free is kind of being used loosely. Um, Moral of the story is just don't feed it and abide by the rules. And I know people are up in arms about, well, uh, you know, it's a it's a illegal substance, and you know the show officials can't tell me if it's it, to not use it if it's not legal. And I would advise against that because technically it's their facilities that you're showing at, and uh, we're already having trouble finding packers that will accept show pigs. So let's not make it any harder than it needs to be. I, I would agree, Trevor. Uh, it's 
as we talked the other day, you know, there's there's uh, th- th- put yourself in a county fair board member seat. Their job is to protect their county fair. The way you protect the county fair is you get people through the gates to keep money coming in to keep the county fair open. So the way you do that is, is you have to have projects in the barns. You have projects in the barns if you protect their market. Mm. And we the, the county fair board members, in my opinion, their number one their number one job, besides assuring public health during the week of the fair, is to make sure they have markets for those pigs. And if we don't step to the plate here as a show pig group and make sure we're harvesting pigs, sending pigs to harvest that are racked dopamine free, we are going to really struggle getting rid of our pigs. Now, there's a few folks out there that will spend $1,000 on a barrel, and they don't care. They're going to take it on and butcher it. But I ask them to have the bigger picture in mind because they're still producing pork. Right. They're still putting pork on the marketplace. And then the comeback is, because I've heard them all in the last four weeks, well, it's not going, it's not being exported. No, but, you know, I've been pushing for the last eight to 10 years to get these fairs to go terminal. And so I got a, I, I got a uh, message last night. We got a county fair in Ohio that decided they're not going to go terminal and just, and, and just ask people to dispose of their own pigs. Well, then we're going to have those pigs going back home and then we fall back into the flu conversation because we really don't want pigs going home because they're going to be picking up flu at the fair. We don't want it spreading across the state. So we have to put all hats on when we're thinking about this, and we have to make sure we're doing the best thing for the entire pork industry. Um, and although this may be a hit for the show pig people and they may need to take a year to adjust, um, you know, I guess I would ask them to think about the hit that we take as commercial producers when we've had these influenza breaks in Ohio just a couple years ago, you know, we had severe influenza breaks that were that were traced to, to um, going over to humans and affecting humans. Um, and, and that was a hit that the commercial people took on on futures pricing and pricing of pigs for a while until that got settled down. And that was a hit that the commission we as commercial producers took uh, that was that was brought about by the way we show our pigs and what we do. So. I guess this time I'm asking the show pig community to kind of rally around here. Just everybody settle down. We'll work through it and understand that we're still putting pork on the market and we need to go ractopamine free as a group because our fair boards need to be able to sell their pigs so we can keep kids in the show arena. We can keep having shows. And then that allows us to move on. And, and honestly, as a show pig veterinarian, I would tell you that the majority of our clients don't feed a lot of paleo anymore because our genetics have changed. We've got pigs with more muscle definition in them now, um, and we've changed the way we're raising pigs. And I, and I would, you know, we all know uh, a, a great great nutritionist out here that can help us feed our pigs and get virtually the same result. Absolutely. So. Well, Todd, we appreciate you jumping back on and shedding some light on the topic. I know this is going to be a heavy, hopefully, a heavily listened to uh, episode. So uh, thanks for bringing the uh, vet hat to the table and also your commercial hat as well. Uh, you're very well versed in understanding this topic. So again, we appreciate your thoughts and uh, looking forward to hearing the response. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yep, thanks, we'll Todd. see ya. Pardon the interruption, but before we get to Mr. Clay's willing, I would like to first tell you about Fleece Performance Engineering, a leader in diesel performance. Check out their complete lineup of drop-in, cheetah turbochargers, power flow lift pumps, injection pumps, and more for your Cummins 
Duramax, or PowerStroke. Learn more about their great products at fleeceperformance.com or visit their new facility in Pittsburgh, Indiana, just west of Indianapolis on I-74. Man, that was smoother than a baby's butt. You're getting good. You're getting good. So I'll say this. Also, use promo code STOCKTALK to get 10% off your next order. That's right. Do it today. Love our folks at, at uh, Fleece Performance. Okay, so we just heard the veterinary side. Promise we'd get to it. We're going to jump into discussion with the CEO of the National Swine Registry. Clay's Willing puts us in the perspective and the mindset of a show pig enthusiast. Clay, thanks for uh, joining us. First and foremost, we are going to get a full episode uh, with you, but for now we want to surround the topic of the paleen band. So, hey, thanks for jumping on. Hey, really appreciate it. And obviously, I appreciate everything you all do to push out information and resources for the industry. And I think it's great you all are tackling this topic. Well, I appreciate it. It's uh, We've had a lot of fans reach out to us, definitely wanting to get this episode out here. So here it is. So, hey, to start off, what is the NSR doing to kind of navigate this big push for that ractopamine-free pork? Yeah, and I think the first thing to just kind of open it up and address is, and I think many folks that are kind of following this this issue or, or, or at least just even tracking it, via social media or, or contacts or whoever it may be is it's, it's difficult, right? There's a lot of different facets that are going into play. And the primary factor of this is, is obviously related to trade and, and a political factor from China. And China's not the only country that's racked opening free. There are several others, but as we look at the demand for pork, that's, that's one of the pressures from, from the packer perspective to try and, and make this move. And so um, I think when we keep that mind in perspective, that it's really a a move to address a a trade perspective. I think that's something that's important. And so, um, I guess to directly answer the question, I think you asked kind of what's NSR's perspective and stance on it is. You know, we're really trying to be a resource uh, related to um, how we can help exhibitors. And so the first thing, and, and I've probably had at least 30 to 40 conversations about this very topic, but the first thing I say is, you know, exhibitors need to make sure they're having conversations with their terminal buyer, their ter- endpoint, wherever they're taking those animals to make sure that they are following the criteria and restrictions that they have. And, and as you, you all know, there's some packers that are still taking hogs that have been fed paling and there are others that are going direct up. I mean, free. And right. so um, the first stance is essentially from an exhibitor perspective, uh, you, you need to have those conversations and figure out what the expectation is. And, and additionally, from a show perspective, if you have a county fair or something like that, that's terminal, uh, you need to make sure that you're having conversations with those people that manage those events to make sure that you're ultimately following the expectations of what the packer is demanding. Um, the other piece that I'd say is we're trying to have some really high level discussions about, and I, I think your, your setup, Trevor, was perfect of where do we go from here, right? We have to mm-hmm. be forward thinking and progressive. And so um, one of the things we're trying to do is have conversations with packers, have conversations with other nonprofit advocacy groups like National Pork Board, National Pork Producers Council to identify markets for exhibition focused people to take their livestock or take their hogs specifically. And so um, we're working on trying to develop those resources. 
and uh, provide those to folks. Because obviously, you know, one of the big things we've talked about over the last couple of years is just market access in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about even where I grew up in Western Illinois, we had a buying station five miles from our farm and it closed shortly after the hog crash of 98. And so, you know, we've just kind of seen that trend of less and less market access. And then we go ahead and add this and compound that. And so our perspective is at least from that point, you know, obviously we need to educate our exhibitors, but then also what can we do to try and identify markets? And that's kind of what I would say our phase one or ground level perspective is trying to assist our our breeders and our exhibitors. Yeah, totally agree. The big, The biggest thing too, that we're seeing a lot is, you know, the messages and, and folks that have reached out to us asking when we're going to bring this topic up, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of the concern is, well, why are we doing it? And is there, really a reason because uh, of the shows, you know, specifically in states like Ohio um, that are mostly terminal County fairs and, and Trevor, you probably know better than I do um, about, you know, if it's all of the, all of the counties in Ohio or just a, a select group, but it's tough for those guys um, that have been doing it for years to try to make that adjustment. And I think you kind of hit it directly. Clay is, regardless of if you like the change or not, uh, the biggest part is being educated enough to figure out that, okay, if these are options um, to consider when it comes to not being able to feed paleen or any type of ractopamine is you've got to make sure you know who the contacts are to get involved with. If, you know, because I would say my advice, especially to those in Ohio would be to, you know, if there is a ractopamine ban and you dislike that, then become educated like Clay's saying and find the, find the the sort resources you know that will take those hogs um, that have been fed paleen and and maybe try to convince your fair that this year probably isn't the best year to do it uh, because it's pretty quick. And <laughs> so um, that's kind of my thoughts there. But that kind of leads me into the next thing. So. We've never, we've not heard anything come out from you guys um, about the NJSA or NSR events becoming ractopamine free shows in 2020. So that being said, I would assume that at this point um, you guys aren't considering that, but kind of shed some light on what you guys are thinking from a show perspective and and how you'll um, how you'll reach that kind of conclusion moving forward past 2020. Yeah, and and. I'm going to say this, and I think most people would understand. This is with the caveat that things can change at any moment. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of these packers made the decision here in the last three to five months to go ractopamine free. So really, I mean, I, I think back, obviously, this was something we had on our radar and something we were talking about. But even I think from your perspective, you probably didn't imagine six months ago that you'd be doing a specific stock talk feature on ractopamine. And so... Um, as we look at it, you know, from, from that perspective and to directly answer your question as, as it exists today. Um, and again, I'm, I'm speaking as of today and, and where the current situation stands, NSRN JSA is not going to ban ractopamine as the event. And here's a couple reasons why one, for the most part, we're non-terminal, right. um, you know, you know, we don't, we don't have a specific buyer. And so that's why we're encouraging and trying to be a resource to help people identify those terminal markets. And other than the National Barrow Show, that's our only terminal event. And at this point, we haven't heard anything different on, on that perspective of how that event will, will be managed. And so, of course, if something changes, then we would obviously have to adapt to that change. 
So to kind of answer the second part of your question, Corey, um, you know, why is that kind of the stance? Well, one, I think the one one of the facets that makes this a challenging issue, and it's it's not right or wrong, it just makes it challenging, is is ractopamine is is a legal substance. Right. It's something that is you know uh, allowed to be fed, and so it's something that people can buy on the market. And so from that standpoint, um, it's it's still a product that can be purchased openly in the market. Now, obviously, there's there's restrictions on those things. There's there's labels that need to be be followed. But fundamentally, it's it's a legal product. Additionally, and I think uh, and I don't know if you all have plugged this or not, but there's a really good resource that Iowa State put out last mm-hmm. week. And I'd encourage everybody to take time to go through and read that. But, you know, they talk a lot about just how sensitive ractopamine testing can be. And, you know, from that standpoint, if you're a non-terminal event, and you're testing for ectopamine with potential repercussions, there's so many potential opportunities for accidental, excuse me, accidental exposure, uh, environmental contact, and those type of things. And then you really get into, um, in that document where it talks about that kind of decision tree of how to market your animals. And from that standpoint, it makes it really hard to make the decision to say, I can guarantee my hogs are ectopamine free. Right. And so, um, you know, it all kind of goes back to uh, you have to kind of make some individual decisions and adapt to what uh, your particular marketer or your endpoint is. And and so, again, to directly answer your question, I don't want to don't want to sound like maybe some of our Washington politicians deflecting your question. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, as it exists today, our intent is not to not to ban ractopamine at our events. But again, if, if something were to, you know, drastically change. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, nor am I even predicting this is going to happen. But for example, if ractopamine were to become illegal tomorrow, well, then our stance changes pretty quickly. I mean, right. it becomes a, <laughs> a banned product. And and so at that point, then yes, we have to ban that product. And so, um, you know, and I'll go back to maybe what I said earlier. I just think higher level, our stance is we need to be having conversations with some of these influencers and and to your point, I think that this this issue, while it was predicted, I don't think people anticipated the timeline. And so mm-hmm. it's how do we adapt to this and how do we go on from here? Because the other reality is that just based on what China's demand for pork is, and, and again, I'm not saying that this could happen, but you know, in a year, they may say it's okay to feed ractopamine. And so then this issue goes back to being, you know, a a potential non-issue. And so if that's the case, then, you know, we have to be able to adapt and adjust to that as well. And and again, by no means am I saying that that's definitely going to happen or I'm making that prediction, but that's just how rapidly and how um, fluid this, this particular issue is. And so I think that's why it's so important for exhibitors to take time to educate themselves on their specific events and their specific marketers. Well, and with the unknowns and the uncertainty, it, it's, it's awesome that we have, you know, an organization like the NSR to take a leadership position and say, Hey, until we know all the facts, let's not jump ahead of, of anything and, and draw any conclusions until we, you know, until we know one way or the other, that this is how it needs to be. So. Much appreciated. I know from not only Trevor and I, but uh, a lot of those that are out there um, that that work with you guys via membership and and obviously with the NJSA. Yeah, and it, it I, I agree, Corey. And it's it's also nice to have a com- this conversation now instead of 
in July, uh, when we're all in the middle of the, the show season anyway. So, um, and I, and that's a good point you, you, you mentioned too, Clay is, you know, most of those events aren't terminal shows. And, and although in the exhibitor's mind, that's their endpoint goal is to win one of those shows, but they, they don't stay there and you guys don't have a packer, uh, waiting to load a truck at the end of the day, like there are at county fairs or some state fairs. So, uh, makes a lot of sense. And like you said, it's not an illegal substance. Um, so therefore I think it's free game, but, uh, that leads me to my next point of for those producers out there listening, or even just the show families, Clay, in your mind, what, what can these families and producers do to make this change as pla- as painless as possible and ultimately just have a Packer-friendly product? Yeah, and I, I think you actually, to, to answer that question, we need to kind of step back and, and have a 30,000-foot viewer perspective on it, which, you know, we're very blessed in, in the livestock industry to have opportunities for youth to exhibit projects and to, you know, learn all the skills they learn. But at the end of the day, we can't forget that each one of these animals at some point is bound for the food chain. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think when we step back and, and we, we have that perspective, I always go back to, to something and I, I believe it, I, it probably started earlier, but I always remember uh, a professor of mine asking this question in college is like, would you eat your show pig? Would you eat your show steer? Would you eat your show lamb? And if the answer is no, then you probably need to take a look in the mirror and say, why, why is the answer no? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for some, that can be kind of a, a harsh reality to grip. But at the end of the day, again, these, these animals and, and the livestock we raise do end up in the food chain. And so um, I think it's important that, and again, I think per some of the other topics you've talked about on, on Stock Talk, you know, we have a perception within the broader livestock industry of, you know, and I think for the most part, and we always talk that 99% of the people do it right, but there's this perception that a lot of these animals are, you know, overfed paleen or have too many antibiotics or have illegal substances. And that's simply not true. Uh, but, you know, we have to make sure we're doing our part to not propagate that perspective. And so, mm. um, you know, I think it's important that, you know, when we have conversations and, and we talk to some of these people specific to packers, it's not, well, why aren't you going to take my hogs anymore? It's, hey, can you explain to me a little bit about why this this paling perspective is there and what do I need to do to adapt to your new marketing system? Exactly. And and again, it's it's like a lot of things in life. It's not addressing things aggressively, but just trying to be proactive and have a conversation. And again, we also have to keep in mind what's going on more broadly in, in the livestock industry. And that's obviously we have a huge opportunity to supply pork to China, which because of ASF has a, has a tremendous shortage. And so the last thing we want is for something that we do potentially in the show industry to inhibit uh, our country's ability to have a thriving agriculture and livestock industry and open up opportunities for our producers, regardless of whether they're the, you know, 5,000 plus commercial producers or someone that's got three sows at home. And so I just think our approach has to be much more positive and proactive. And again, I think that we have to look at this as at the end of the day, my project is, is destined for a terminal endpoint. And so 
what do I need to do to adapt? And, and again, it's like anything else, uh, you know, things change so quickly and, uh, you know, this issue, I, I predict we're going to have a lot more changes and updates even in the next six months. And so from that perspective, we actually have to take a little bit of responsibility as association leadership, as well as exhibitors to say, I need to make sure I'm educated on this topic and I'm doing my part to, to address the, uh, the demands of our terminal endpoint marketers. You bet. That makes a lot of sense. And change always happens. Rather, it be an event in a new location that everybody's now excited about or, uh, you know, a topic like this with Paling. I mean, change happens. We just kind of got to adapt and move on. So we appreciate your leadership there at the, the NSR and all you guys do day in and day out to keep this thing as good as it ever has been. So, uh, again, thanks so much for jumping on and, and sharing your opinions about the ractopamine free push. And uh, we look forward to getting a full episode with you here in the near future. Well, and, and I certainly appreciate that and everything you all do as well. And, and again, if there's just one thing I could leave everybody with is, you know, we don't have maybe all the answers right now. It's not a clear black and white issue, but just stay updated. And I think the first thing everybody can do is is visit with their shows and visit with their their uh, their people that buy their hogs, whether it's at the end of the summer for some folks, whenever it may be, and just find out what their expectation is and and, and do your best to address those. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, we appreciate it, and we will uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Yep. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Clay. Brief pause in the action momentarily, but... Social Smash. That's right. Social Smash, except this time it's more of a news bulletin, really, than a Social Smash, something that we're going to put on social media so it fits. Social Smash is brought to you by Brad Hal Ford. The boys at Brad Howell Ford in Kokomo, Indiana, have award-winning customer service that will put you in the right vehicle today or tomorrow, depending on what day of the week it is. Give them a call. It doesn't matter. Or whenever. Just go to Brad Howell Ford. Just go to Brad Howell Ford. Uh, I know that my next vehicle purchase, <clears throat> don't get any great ideas here, Baxter, if you're listening to this, but <laughs> my next vehicle purchase probably will be from Brad Howell Ford. That's right. I'll, I'll just say that out loud. You're welcome. Anyways, so Brad Halford, check him out in Kokomo, Indiana. Great friends of the show. We're looking forward to what's going to happen here in 2020. Very pumped to have them aboard. But Trevor, there was something brought to our attention while we were in Denver Mm -hmm. that we should pursue. And a great idea brought forth by a very good friend of the show, somebody that you guys have heard from in our bonus episodes, Mr. Luke Ziegler. A dedicated December dude. December uh, dude. A dude that's extended dedicated December beyond dedicated December and looks like a shell of himself. Yes. Love it. I mean, the dude, Zig, shout out to you, buddy. Proud of you for everything that you've done in your efforts to become a healthier, more active humanoid. So anyways, this idea was brought up by Luke and he said, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when stock talk going to do a scholarship? We hadn't really thought of that, and um, you're you're listening to it now. So, Trevor, tell the friends and family members of the Stock Talk community what this is all about. Yeah, guys, this is something exciting. Uh, I've always wanted to have something where I could give back beyond um, beyond what we could even think what we were going to do. So, part of that giving back process is 
a $1,000 scholarship that we're naming Build Your Legacy. So the Build $1,000 scholarship, we are doing a, we're calling it Build Your Legacy Scholarship. You can find this scholarship on stocktalk-podcast.com. In fact, if you pull up the website and just wait a couple seconds, there'll be a pop-up right in the middle of your screen. You click, click that apply now. And you will go to the scholarship page. So not only you're getting a thousand dollars, but you're also going to be featured. The winner will be featured in a future episode of Stock Talk. And they're going to be a forever, a lifer, a Stock Talk scholar. So with there that, might be some free merch involved for the winner too. Yeah, so. why not? Uh couple things you need to do. Obviously go on stocktalk-podcast.com, fill out that scholarship. You also need to submit a letter of describing how this scholarship will help you and how you plan to use it to achieve your goal and leave your legacy. You will also need to submit a video answering two questions. Just tell us your story. What is your story? Secondly, how do you plan to leave your legacy? Mm. So, Big time. within the stock show industry, how do you plan to leave your legacy? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Applicants must be 16 to 21 years of age. Beyond that, we are excited to get through these videos and these letters about the incredible young minds we have within our industry. So, if... Eligibility is on the website. Yes. If, if, this, if you're hearing this and you know somebody that needs to apply, just tell them it's on the website. And all the details will be there, more so than what we can describe now. But the Stock Talk Podcast Build Your Legacy Scholarship, $1,000 in a future feature on Stock Talk Podcast episode. Folks, future feature, that's a mouthful. Future feature. If you know somebody, we want the best, and we are going to file it down to one person. Deadline is by May 29th, the last day of May. You must submit your letter, video, and application by May 29th. We are incredibly excited for this opportunity to see what kind of young minds we have out there. But we've got another guest to get to in the time being. Mr. Kane Cosmaker is next up on the list. All right, Corey. Well, our next guest is Mr. Kane Cosmaker. And for those who don't know, not only is he a show pig breeder and a show dad, uh, but his day-to-day job, he works for a procuring company where they harvest about 100,000 pigs a day in the commercial uh, sector. So there's definitely a different side, and he kind of wears many hats as some of the other guests in this episode. So, Kane, hey, thanks for jumping on, man. Uh, not only we're going to do this one, but we've got to get a full episode with you as well uh, here in the future. So thanks for jumping on. Yes, Trevor, Corey, you know, it's good to hear from you guys, and thank you, you know, very much for asking me to be a part of your Ractopamine discussion. I know it's uh, cutting edge and there's a lot of new and information coming out every day in regard to this topic, but uh, it's important and things are changing quickly and rapidly and it's going to have an impact on show families uh, this summer. Um, And as you kind of alluded to when you were breaking me in there a little bit, I do, I work for a large pork processor and myself, uh, as well as a handful of other guys, we're responsible for the procurement of of roughly a hundred some thousand hogs every business day where we harvest and that goes into our food chain and also 
a lot of that product continues to grow into some export markets. Um, that being said, you know, I wouldn't have this job if it wasn't for show pigs because I grew up in uh, showing, showing pigs. I had a dad that, that was really um, influential in terms of, I think, how pigs may be fed today in, in terms of presenting them and getting hair maintenance ready and done correctly and learned a lot from that. But from that point forward, I've always been interested in show pigs um, and we continue to do that a little bit as our family uh, currently. So, you know, since I do a little bit with Racktopamine, as of now, I'd be happy to help out in any way I can to spread a little light and what's happening commercially. And if we can help any show pig families on some decisions they may have in regards to Racktopamine this summer, I'd love to help. So, Absolutely. Well, friend of the show, long time uh, since Trevor and I kind of went to Blackhawk, have, have known you and, and what your family does and kind of. Uh, what's interesting is I had a chance to uh, to actually intern with you for a summer at your specific um, place of employment at the time. And so being able to see what you do on a day-to-day basis really kind of puts things in perspective um, because the commercial industry obviously is leading the charge in this uh, ractopamine-free pork, um, especially for our export market. So how do you how do you think that this is going to impact the commercial industry as you see it today? Um, especially in relation to your to your job procuring hogs. Okay, yeah, good question. Um, and I, I don't want to bore you with too much of the thoughts. You know, I know this is a show pig uh, clientele or, or base that's going to be listening to this show, but I think it's critically important to get a good understanding where we come from commercially and how it impacts uh, so many people every day in terms of our pork suppliers in the United States. And one thing we got to remember is China's demand for imported pork has increased steadily over the last few months. And the U.S. industry is, is well positioned to fulfill that need on one stipulation. And that's if we have ractopamine free product. China does not allow ractopamine fed pigs into their production system, nor do they import any um, and to learn a little bit more about China, um, you know, China at any given time will have 450 million head of pigs. And African swine fever has started to decimate that population. And over the last seven or eight months, they've lost over 20% of that, that population. Now, to put things into perspective, just in the pigs or production that they've lost, that would have been able to feed the United States for two full years. Wow. So China's a big business. It's, it's a huge opportunity for the United States pork production to grow. The other thing I think is important to remember is how, where we stand from a production standpoint. Uh, U.S. pork producers continue to get better every day in producing product. You know, we're breaking... Uh, weaned pigs per litter of over 11 and 12 pigs. These guys keep them healthy and they bring them to town. The USDA will tell you that in any given week, we'll have 2.8 million shackle spaces available to harvest pigs. And even in a what would be considered to be a slower time, like the 1st of February, you can go see the reports that the USDA presents every day. We're killing 2.7 to 2.8 million head each week currently. I think we're going to see times this summer where we may even try to kill 3 million head a week. And, you know, even though product is moving in the United States, 
it certainly does not hurt if we can continue to grow exports um, uh, because that'll just give us an opportunity to hopefully make our producers in the U.S. more profitable. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's what um, maybe many don't understand is, uh, you know, the show pig world is fairly small when you compare it to um, the, the the bigger picture. However, it may be the most uh, publicly viewed if you go to your county fair or a state fair, whatever national show. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to impact the, the greater part of our pork production. And that that that's a good thing that you mentioned that because maybe no. Many people don't know the the why behind all of this, and uh, and it may, I've heard it's not just China. There's you know more countries who ban uh, the the ractopamine pork than there than there are that allow it, like us in the United States. So, um, but as I mentioned before, you know not only are you day to day in the commercial sector, but you're also a show pig breeder and a show parent at that. So, what concerns do you have, or what are you going to do to adjust? Uh, your show pig herd and the the hogs that you're going to exhibit with your family? Well, as we continue to learn, uh, because we, like I said, we are on the cutting edge of just how ractopamine is utilized in a body and how long it stays uh, within that body and the metabolization process of the product and how it gets through hair and kidneys, some of the other places that will be tested. Uh, you know, when you ask that question, there are so many things to think about. And as much as I want to sit here and say that I'd love to be able to utilize paleen because we have, we're like every other family that likes to show pigs. We see the advantages of paleen. And when you talk to Dr. Price and the other guys to probably get into why it's effective. I mean, you're adding an opportunity to increase protein in the muscle system while taking away fat reserves we get a bigger, more powerful product, you know, it's called growth in the, in the commercial world. It's called right. powered shape in, in our world, but either way it, it has an advantage uh, competitively. Um, there's also, you know, a lot of data that shows that once you stop feeding paleen, it'll immediately start going back to its original effect or the body will, or the, the muscle fibers will lose some of that protein and they'll continue to, uh, increase their fat intake as well, or, or how much fat is actually placed in their cells. But with that being said, it is a great product to utilize from a show perspective, but at the same time, it does not fit in our current scenario. Um, I thought about trying to utilize the product where uh, we could on shows where it does not ban the use of paleen, but the cross-contamination scare or concern is enough for me to think twice of even that. Uh, we continue to hear more studies and stories of how long uh, ractopamine stays in the system and, and just the opportunity for one pig that has never been fed paleen to pick up paleen, to pick up ractopamine through urine, feces, a contaminated truck is just too immense. There's too much of an opportunity for that. Um, so I, I would say this, there's going to be an opportunity to feed paleen if you are in a region or in an area where you have uh, a place to sell your product into a scenario where those pigs are going to go into a packing processor that does not export product. Some of us are very lucky and have that in our back door and others are not. 
I think that stipulation will dictate whether county shows or other shows in general geographic areas will allow paling. But um, truth be told, as it stands right now, I don't necessarily know if there's going to be a great fit for ectopamine in our program moving forward. So how are you, because, you know, your kids are, are to an age now to where, you know, their understanding of things is starting to pick up a lot more rapidly. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, my question on top of that would be, you know, as a show parent, um, you know, obviously us, us, uh, us guys in the, in the barn and, and gals in the barn, we, we love to control feed and how we feed and what we do. Um, but I know that your family is one that certainly your kids are just involved as involved as you are in, in wanting to mm-hmm. learn how to feed and what to feed. Um, do you have, uh, do you have any ideas? I mean, with, with the way this paling discussion has gone, how are you going to talk to your kids about it and, and maybe help them be educated too, as to why, why we don't feed it? Yeah, it's a topic that I think we need to have with our kids. And whether your kids are nine and 10 years old or whether they're teenagers and are in the cusp of taking over the range when it comes to selecting livestock that you're going to show in the summer. I remember those days when uh, my dad couldn't find a good one and I had to uh, supervise (laughs) his choices. But typically at the end of the summer, it's the ones that he picked that were always the ones that seemed to be more competitive. But nevertheless, we're going to have kids that are going to want to be a part of that selection process. And the conversations that you have is is we are in a different time. I, I think it'll dictate and change the way we look at show pigs and how we purchase them. Just that natural muscle shape from the get-go, that, that early evidence of power and, and shape will be something that will have a distinct advantage as these pigs continue to grow if we are going to truly eliminate the use of ractopamine in our systems. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to learn from it. They're, you know, they know exactly what Paylene does right now. I had an 11 year old daughter that didn't, wasn't satisfied with the pig she was showing last year. And she, she wanted to increase the Paylene. And I said, honey, we already have, we can't put any more in there. Sometimes <laughs> it just doesn't work, but, uh, it's, it's something that we all need to visit with our kids about and not only have them understand, what ractopamine is, but how it's fed. And that, that leads to a whole nother discussion that I'm going to table because it sounds like you have a couple of other quality experts, but I would question how many people truly understand what ractopamine is, how it works and how long it stays in the body. These are things that we all need to get back on the old Google machine and try to learn as we move forward with this. Yeah, no doubt. There, there's a lot of questions and uh, I think this is like we've said with our other guests too, it's just a, another change that we got to that kind of adapt and, and move forward and try to make it, uh, just as friendly for all of us show pig people. And, uh, once we adapt, the quicker we adapt, the faster we can move past it. Now, uh, knowing your, uh, your day-to-day job and also, uh, what you do at home, um, to kind of merge those two together, what are some of your coworkers as far as the commercial producers or maybe uh, folks that you work with, what are they saying about this issue as far as, as it pertains to the show pig industry? Well, I, I, that's a good question. And I, I'll start with saying some of the things that I've heard from good close friends or read on social media about uh, potentially have to having to inhibit the use of ractopamine on our show pigs. Um, and, and why do we got to work with China and why would we uh, succumb to them? And 
I don't understand why we have to do this. Well, one thing we got to realize is you have no idea the added effort we have put on the American producer's shoulders to bring us product that has affidavits that go with it, indicating they have never been fed ractopamine product coming to our plants. I mean, it is absolutely intense. And if we ever had to do what some of our commercial producers are doing, they we may be out of the show big business. <laughs> um, but for prospect of merging or just extra communication between commercial and show, there's not a lot. I will tell you this, that the commercial guys, kind of, you know, cringe when they see trailers go up and down the road. Uh, they just think that's a walking box of uh, potential uh, virus and contaminations, and it's not the case. Uh, you know, they know that we're going to a show and we're co-mingling with potentially 100 or 200 other pigs, and then we're going to take them back home. Um, we have a different animal completely. You know, I think a lot of our product and our, our pigs may have, you know, had an opportunity to be in the face of different viruses and, and we create a stronger immunity. Whereas some of these commercial guys are so naive that that's why you got to spend 72 hours without being around pigs before you go visit their sites. They just cannot afford to have anything come into their barns because they could easily break. But we need to continue to, to mend the two bodies or groups of people together and have those conversations because as of right now, it's fairly non-existent. Yeah. yeah, that's the the thing that I I think we probably are going to struggle with the most is, you know, we're in the show pig industry and we're not in the commercial industry. And one of the things Todd Price mentions is is that regardless uh, of where these barrows end up, when it's all said and done, uh, some of those things end up back in the food chain regardless. And so yep. one of the things that that I think we're probably going to face the most challenges with as a, as a shopping industry is, is molding and shaping the way of thinking that though our worlds are separate, we don't exist without them. Yep. And, and, and I think if we, if we can uh, kind of change that way of thinking a little bit, we'll probably be in a little better position to, to adjust to changes like this in the future, because they're going to come regardless of, mm. of if we want them to or not. It's important to keep this in mind. I always think, I've thought this one other time, but envision or think of the commercial pork production as a tree to our existence. I mean, the show pig industry is merely the fruit uh, of uh, everything they have done. And even though show and commercial folks may not interact daily, we still have to adhere to the qualifications set in place uh, by the United States food system. You know, the existence of the show pig industry, even though it's on its own ups, standing industry all by itself we're still dependent on commercial pork business um and i may not be say exactly what you want to hear but if these guys who lived and died by feeding ractopamine i mean their entire system with fifty thousand pigs revolved around getting the pigs out the door at 130 days versus 145 days you know, that might be the difference that it takes now that these pigs are no longer on paleen. You know, we all have to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. yep. It's just the way it is. And we got we to gotta learn it. Like I said, you can go back and look. If you're in an area, it is not illegal. As of right now, it is not illegal. Now, it is illegal to feed paleen outside the 90-day window prior to market. But it is not illegal, and you can feed it. 
a family is going to have to be very staunch on their efforts if they do feed it to a gilt that's in the barn so it does not cross-contaminate a barrow that may go into a terminal show or a show with rules that eliminates the use of paline. It is critical to find that out. Absolutely. Well, Kane, we appreciate your time. It's been a, a really op- eye-opening uh, episode so far with the, the ones we've got on here. And to talk about every different aspect is, uh, I think, there's th- something to learn in a- every single part of it. So thanks for taking time out of your afternoon, and uh, we look forward to getting you on a full episode to talk more about your operation here in the future. Guys, I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you for what you're doing for our show world. You're bringing it up front. Keep knocking down those fences and, and driving forward, guys. Appreciate everything. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, what great comments by a big friend of the show and future episode guest, Kane Cosmaker. So, Trevor, I don't know about you, but I'm excited because uh, Valentine's Day is coming up yes. this week, uh, Friday, and it'll be the first Valentine's Day that I've spent with my wife in three years. Wow. Because I've been gone for work every other Valentine's Day. So, you know, it's going to be cool. Um, Emily was pretty upset that they weren't invited to this week's episode because you remember a year ago, they were on the Valentine's Day episode, so I assured you. I sh- I told her. I said, I assure you, you are always part of the episode every single week, even if you're not present on the microphone. You're always part of it in my heart. And oh. she started laughing and called me out on my BS. So, well, you know what's there? There's no BS in what's happening right now on the online store because you can get 15 percent off and free shipping on any order you make. What, Trevor? And how long is that? running through it closes saturday so you better hurry oh, there it's wednesday folks you better hop on it and uh 15 off everything on the store plus free shipping can't make that up that's no bs well let's jump into the very last guest that we have here and what an incredible conversation a man that we could talk to for hours literally but we won't hold you back from it here's mr ed tice Ladies and gentlemen, we've covered just about everything except for the feed industry. And and luckily, we've got a guy on here that's no stranger to it um, and been involved in the not only the show feed industry, but the procurement and animal health industries as well. So we've got Ed Tice with us. And uh, Ed, if you wouldn't mind, give these folks just a little background about yourself, a little history about what you do uh, in your day-to-day job so they can kind of understand exactly where we're going with this. Hey, good morning, guys, and, and thanks for, for having me on. I think this is a, an important topic, topic here we need to discuss, so I appreciate you guys and your effort to uh, to address this and try to do it in a, in a way that touches as many people as possible. So, again, you know, I'm, I'm Ed Tice. I currently live in, in Story City, Iowa with my wife and two children. I have a daughter, 14, and a son that uh, just turned 11 this week. Uh, my current position is I am with Linder Showfeeds United Animal Health. Um, and I, I am the business development and sales manager for the lender show feed division. So on my day-to-day basis, I work with our, our sales staff out in the field and then work with our partnering mills that manufacture and distribute our feed with us and, and, you know, answer customer questions, help the, the sales team make sure that they're, they're getting what they need. So that way they can go out and do their best to, to teach and, and educate and advise, you know, people using our products out there. 
prior to this, I spent about 22 years with, started with IBP and eventually became part of the Tyson Foods family and procurement. Uh, the majority of that time was spent in uh, central Indiana. Um, Logan Sport was my primary plant where I bought and worked with individual pork producers every day for those 22 years to fill that plant. Um, and that as that time was there, you know, uh, my roles continued to change. I was always involved in, in the everyday buy for those. But, um, and most of you know, there's, there was an animal welfare movement. Um, and Tyson was the first one to come to the market with what we called farm check, you know, where we did mm-hmm. uh, audits on the sow farms and, and on the finishers and, and kind of did that third party or that audit to make sure that, you know, the consumers understood, you know, that we were doing, putting the checks and balances in and what we said were, they were doing was happening out there. And eventually that rolled into more of a standard industry audit that was eventually housed in the national port board and, and through there. And we got the third party audit system. And really that helped, you know, animal welfare used to be the, the number one thing out there when you saw it and you looked up anything. But due to those programs and things like that, that really kind of, it's still top of mind, but it's down the lift a little bit. Instead of being front page, you might find it on page eight, you know, bottom corner now. So <laughs> that's the long and short of it. You know, my kids are very active you know, showing my, my daughter's had a very good run here in, in Iowa and Indiana both. And, you know, we do the NGSA thing and, and we've done that. I did serve during that time um, on uh, just some roles I had. I did serve as on the youth advisory board there for the NSR some time. And before I left Indiana, I was also on the executive committee for Indiana Pork. So, and served, I think, 14 years as a crossbred breed manager at the Indiana State Fair. So, you know, that's the long and short of it. Hopefully that covers kind of my background and and where I come from and, and what we do every day. So cool. Perfect. It's always good to get a good history because, uh, you know, we want these people to realize that, you know, when we're getting these, these pool of experts, if you will, together in this discussion, um, lots of experience on, on this kind of four, four interview panel here. So, so deal. before we get into, uh, kind of the nitty gritty of, uh, your day to day, Let's just get the first question out here, and many people are wanting to know if they're not allowed to feed paline that enter uh, the pork source. What are we doing to use as an alternative for the to get that same effect? You know, paline's used to kind of have that get that sudden muscle shape in our show pigs. What would you advise these folks who can't feed paline but maybe get that same result? Uh, great question, there, Trevor. And what I do is, is you know. I'm, you know, I'm 47 years old, almost 48. So, you know, I lived in my show career long before paling was ever out there, you know. And in those days, we were still getting those those massive tops, you know, and that expression. You know, it's a little different hog, but we still knew how to create muscle. You know, and it goes back to, you know, as simple as anything. You know, what, what really builds muscle? And I'm not a nutritionist. I'm going to pretend to be one or a scientist here, but, you know. I'm married to one and around a bunch of them every day. So, you know, basic essential science will tell you, you know, the building blocks for muscle are protein and amino acids. So, you know, our company and every other company out there has alternatives out there that you can use. You know, it may not be as fast acting. It may take a little more time and preparation as you're, as you're putting together your program for a particular pig on your farm. You know, you, you know, where a lot of people may have used paline, you know, at stages in there to do it. You know, we may not be able to do it, you know, with that you know, that 14 to 10 or, or whatever day you were getting that reaction or that, that you were rolling the paling, you may have to start a little earlier and use, you know, some of those other proteins out there, you know, you know, proteins, amino acids, things like that, you know, and build them up and, and do that. But I guess you're going to have to go old school, get a little more creative. And, and I see it as a challenge and an opportunity and really a teaching moment 
again, when you're in that barn is, is, you know, we're doing this and why we're doing it and what we expect, what we expect to do out of it out there versus, you know, we're going to add paline and all of a sudden we're going to pop. You know, if you really want to take opportunity out there and use those things that have been around for years and proven, you know, again, maybe old school, but we're going to have to go back to using more, you know, you know, highly digestible proteins and amino acid profiles to, to really do it. And we're probably going to have to do it, you know, on that, that 30 day window versus maybe that, that 15 to 10 day window. So hopefully that answers your question there. And, th- and then again, you know, the other side of that is hydration, different things, you know, at the shows we've proven, you know, through, and you guys have shown livestock, you know, at that, that two or three days, you know, prior to showing up to show, you know, hydration at the show can do as much for you as far as just getting, you know, the top shape you may desire and hydrate that muscle and getting that animal to perform and look a certain way. So again, I guess those would be the keys, you know, three of them, you know, you know, proteins, amino acids, and then proper hydration, you know, at the shows would probably give you the same effects that we're getting with uh, the payway. Right. And it makes sense because, you know, if you think about the genetics we have today and the ability we have to, to continue to grow mass, uh, you know, and muscle just based on our genetic pieces that are available out there. You know, I don't think it'll probably be as challenging as people make it out to be. Um, it doesn't have to be that hard. So uh, totally agree. Bef- <laughs> there was a time before paling. So just because there's going to be a time after paling doesn't make necessarily make it uh, uh, challenging, I guess. So, um, so one of the things too, that, that, you know, working for, um, you know, a feed company and what you guys do, um, what are, what are you and others, um, doing or, or going to do with maybe some product that already exists with paleo? Now, obviously there are shows that still exist in the current environment that, you know, will allow the use of paleo. Um, but is there any products in, that you guys deal with that, um, you may have to, uh, you know, let's, let's move it all and, and get rid of it or, or, uh, what kind of steps are you guys taking to to this ractopamine free movement? You know, I mean, we're looking at it and we've had discussions, you know, within our, you know, our, our, our teams, you know, both at the, at the corporate level and, you know, within there. And, and again, it's one of those deals where there's already been enough confusion in the marketplace about how it's done, you know, and what it's doing and this and that. So as we analyze and go forward and try to figure out, you know, what the next step is to come out, you know, as far as, you know, and I don't want to use the word stance, but how we're going to address it going forward. We want to make sure that we're, we're doing our proper research, that we're creating a positive messaging out there so we don't create panic amongst, you know, 4-H families and, and uh, you know, FFA families, exhibitors. You know, a lot of these people that, that exhibit these animals and buy those particular top dresses or, or those paleo additives, you know, for their show pigs, you know, they're, they're seasonal showmen. They're not in this every day, kind of like we are, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still work with some commercial guys and still – talk to procurement guys every day on that side. So, you know, we're addressing it. I can't come out here and say we're going to take this or that, but we're looking at it. We're analyzing it. You know, eventually it'll, it may take care of itself. And I, that's, that's probably a cop out, but you know, as, as the market moves away from it, the demand, and, and I know those companies that are making it have probably moved away from making, you know, the, the brand name, you know, Paleen, which would be Elanco's product for the pigs. And then, you know, Endgame 9 on the Zoetis would be the right topamine product there. From my understanding, you know, they've moved away from, bagging or, or making that product for the u.s sector anyway and it's still available on their cattle side right now but as we move forward we want to make sure that if we do something that again we're not going to create panic out mm-hmm. there and, and cause kids to our families to to you know worry about how they're going to do it or you know ultimately we don't want to scare them so bad or do something that 
that drives them away from the project. You know, right. right. Um, we want to make sure that we keep this intact because, you know, showing livestock is, you know, I can't remember, you know, way back in my days and, and even my, my kids' days, you know, there's highlights in there. But more than anything, I still remember the people that I met along the way um, and, and, the, and the relationships that I've had because of this and all that. So they're still important there. But, you know, the vehicle to get me there was always the pig, the lamb, you know, the livestock that got me there. So, again, you know, we're not going to when we when we make decisions to do that, it's going to be based on, you know, education, science, what the market dictates. And, and if we do come out, we want to make sure that we've got good med- messaging and education and resources for people to go and make sure that they they educate themselves, make decisions based on on what their criteria is for their particular shows and and where they're going and ultimately you know that way and not come out and say you know you can't or you can't. That's going to be up to show exhibitors and managers and everybody else to make those decisions. But you know we're we're definitely trying to be cautious of it. Um, you know our plants again they're individually on their own and and and. There, we're not making near as much paleene products as we once did. You know, we did away before this ever happened. We had already kind of moved away from one of our lines. So we're already down to just one, one paleene sub or one paleene additive as a company, you know, where we used to have two top dresses. So mm. and that really didn't have anything to do with this. That just kind of happened, but there's a movement away from it. I don't use it as much as I, I used to in the beginning. Um, very little. So again, I, as we, we get further and, and I think it'll be a team effort. I don't care what brand you have on your hat or anything else. You know, I always say we're in this together. We may compete, mm-hmm. you know, but, but still we, we've got to make sure that we're messaging together and, and staying on the same page and, and not creating panic and a bunch of adversity and a bunch of unknown out there and chaos that's not needed. We want to protect the, we want to protect the families that want to do this and, and not discourage families from getting involved in this because they think, Oh, it's just a mess. And it's, it's going to be terrible. You know, we oh, don't want that headache. Absolutely. And I mean, to kind of the last question we have for you goes right, right off of that too, is, you know, there are products out there that have rectopamine in them and these mills are, are processing them daily. And now that the movement is uh, rectopamine free, we've found in some of the research and other guests that we've had on this episode that it can be um, digested and ingested by cross-contamination. So what are you seeing in some of these feed mills that you work with? What are they doing to lessen the chance of that cross-contaminations that may have that ractopamine and feed bins and augers and what have you? Well, a lot of the feed mills have moved, you know, and I can't speak for all of them, but majority of them have, have gone that we do business with. And even on the commercial side, I know that from just guys I know in that business, you know, they've been working on this since, you know, the fall when this was coming. I mean, there was a pretty good indicator that these were coming. I can't remember the exact date the, the first packer made the official announcement, but, you know, again, that that's probably a public announcement where there's enough people knowing behind the scenes that this was coming. But anyway, those, those plants have done washouts and they do flushes. Um, there's been several of those plants that have gone totally racked opening free and it's not even in the facility. So, you know, as they cleaned every auger, every bin, every truck, you know, swept every floor, every nook and cranny, that's not going to sit here and say, Hey, they didn't miss something here and there. You know, there's still going to be some, it, there's humans involved and all that, but you know, we, we can't ever go down this journey and get to our end point if we don't take the first step, you know, the steps have been laid in there. Um, again, we're very fortunate with our products that are made, you know, I, I you know, all but maybe one of our, our current mills that we work with, they also have a huge commercial base. So, you know, they're not just making the show feed for us. 
you know, they're feeding, you know, hundreds of thousands of commercial hogs a year. So we got to basically piggyback on that, not to use the pun there, you know, because of, of, of all the, all the safeguards they've been putting in to, to reassure that the commercial producer that they're doing the bulk of the business toll milling for that they met all the standards required by the packer where they were going. So we got the benefits of that. You know, the other one that we have that works with, um, work with that, that does more just show feed that way. They already are, they're, they're moving that direction. They're, you know, they've been in discussion and, and I think they're going to go that way just to be safe. So I, I think most of these guys are going to get in front of it and that'll be good, you know, because then it'll, it'll take a little bit of the decision making away. If you, if there's less of the products out there to do it, um, you know, that'll eventually hopefully just kind of take care of itself and out there, there's always going to be out there just in the commercial side alone. I promise you that even though we've moved away from it, um, there's still some places out there. We're going to get some, some positives just because somebody missed something or they didn't do it. You know, it's going to take a little while here to get it all to where we can, you know, we can say, Hey, we're a hundred percent rack dopamine free. You know, we're, we're striving for that. We're getting there and we'll get there sooner than later, but you know, we, we got to be willing to take the steps, take the initiative and, and, you know, I don't, I hate the word take a stance, but take a movement towards that and have a goal and objective knowing that there's going to be setbacks along the way, but, you know, be accountable for what we're doing. And, you know, if there's violators out there, if these shows make a decision, Hey, we're going to put that on a ban list, you know, you know, be accountable to each other within the industry, you know, like we always have been, I would say, you know, we get a black eye here and there and people say that we do this and, and that, you know, we're, you know, get labor, you know, as, as, as cheaters or whatever, you know, but I would say, and you guys may or may not agree with me, show people and the, the people that really believe and are passionate about this, you know, they may not grab somebody and, you know, and embarrass them or have a, a heated debate right in the middle of a show ring, but they will pull them over in corner and, and try to keep them in check and say, Hey, what you're doing here is not right. You know, we got kids here and they're learning and it's not, you know, all or nothing to win. You know, we will hold our own accountable in this thing as we move forward. I hope you guys agree with that. Yeah. That's probably yeah, a long winded answer there, but you know, that's, that's the long and short of it. You know, we've got a journey here and we can't, we can't get to the end here if we don't take the first steps and knowing that there's going to be bumps along that road. Well, so, and you said something, you said something really important that I hope people realize that, you know, across the board and, and obviously different feed companies have different uh, standards of operating or, or, uh, ways that they go about getting feed milled and, and, you know, toll milling. If people don't understand what that means, it's essentially a feed company will hire another uh, mill to make their feed for them. So, um, but, but essentially, you know, what's, what's really important to remember there in, and then I'm sure we've got folks listening that, that probably don't realize that even though these feed companies are spread out across the United States, um, a lot of what gets milled and manufactured at, at some of these feed companies isn't just for show pigs and you know as the country takes a movement towards this ractopamine free uh you know we've got to we've got to make sure that we are um you know realizing that the commercial sector makes way more feed than we ever thought about making first of all and secondly that a lot of those those same uh mills are milling commercial and show pig feed so uh the ractopamine free um you know, feed, they're, they're going to step away from it too. So um, that's a, that's another important point I thought you made that maybe not a lot of people realize. So. Yeah. It's not just a, you know, there are, I mean, we, and most of them will do that and they can do it, you know, and then, you know, and I guess you guys may not act, ask the question, but you know, 
you know, I'll, I'll add on to it and I know it's out there and people say, what do I do? And, you know, and, and I would say, as you're putting your pigs on feed right now, make sure that you're communicating, you know, from your local level at the county fair to your state fairs, wherever you're going and know what their, what their rules going to be and, and all that stuff. And, you know, don't beat up on them too hard because I know for instance, and I'll give it that some of these counties that, that are not terminal that have gone to, you know, a rack dopamine free show or looking at that, you know, that particular buyer that has the, the local buying station there <clears throat> doesn't know every kid that's going to be in the swine project this year. So he took initiative because of where he has to sell the pigs and his limited access to take those to market. They've taken the initiative to go to, you know, the extension board, fair board and say, Hey, I really want to be able to help these kids come July, August with these projects. So, you know, can you, you know, I got to buy them one, twos, threes and fours at the time as they show up the door after the fair. But for me to be able to do it, you know, I need them to, to take the steps to, to be racked dopamine free so that I have a market still for those kids. So yep. you know, they're getting beat up a little bit for the messaging, but understand that, you know, they are the messenger there. And, and those guys that want to help and support those kids have taken an issue. They can't contact every kid in that county or that area that's going to be on the swine project. So they've used that platform to, to try to reach those kids and, and do some education. And, and again, I've talked to, you know, everybody thinks the Packers and, and I spent a lot of time there and I've got a lot of friends there and I still talk to heads of procurement every day for several different companies out there. And I've done it since then. And, and they, they reach out to me because, you know, I have a foot in both deals. You know, I work for a show feed company and I spent all those years as, as their colleague, you know, and, and they really do want to find a way to support the youth and their livestock. We've yep. got to take the step for them out there you know they're not anti-paleen they're not out there but they have to have market access you know and i'm sure they'll talk about it and it's not just the pork going over there you know they have off all they have choice white grease things like that that they have to sell and those brokers want to buy it well that goes back into animal feed so they're kind of getting some pressure from that product too to make sure that it's it's safe to go back into pig feeds there so again i want to support the packers there a little bit i know they're taking some black eyes but at the end of the day they want to be supported, but we have to take the initial steps to show them that, hey, we're going to buy in. We're going to support what you're asking us to do as far as mainstream harvest facilities go and what their requirements are to keep them, you know, pro or keep them moving to be able to make sure that they can move that product to the system, whether domestic or export and all that. So, that, you know, they are trying to figure out ways to help with us. But right now, you know, we got to kind of help ourselves as a show sector. You bet. And, and then get to re-engage in that. And I know you probably didn't ask that question, but I want to make sure it's important. No. You, know, you know, as families and, and breeders and exhibitors out here, we still have to take the initiative and not get negative on it. Absolutely. Ask what we need and then take the steps to do it. And we have to create messaging across the board. I, I get frustrated a little bit here because I don't know that we really – done this and, and had clear messaging you know i listened to dr price did a thing i know he's on here and i commend to him for what he said and and there are a couple of weeks ago on maybe a radio radio show there out of ohio considering yep. ohio state fair stance and all that so again i'm rambling but i think it's an important thing i think there's a lot of questions to be asked and i think everybody needs to be open-minded about you know where we go and how we get there and you bet. And not get defensive but be open-minded. Well, Ed, thanks for jumping on and sharing uh, your expertise. We really appreciate you having having you on the show. Yes, sir. All right, thanks, guys. And again, I enjoyed it. I enjoy what you guys are doing out here. Um, you know, I, I do when my phone's not ringing and I'm driving down the road. I can honestly tell you, I, I usually play your episode. Sometimes it takes me two or three trips to get an episode <laughs> in. But you know, I've enjoyed what you guys have done, um, what you're doing for agriculture for 
for the youth and everything out there. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant idea and, and you guys bring a lot of good perspectives out there and you've, you've introduced a lot of people to agriculture and the, the show sector that might not have done it through an entertaining way. So congratulations on your success. And, and I think the future is going to be bright for you guys in this thing. And again, thanks for everything you're doing out here for, for youth and, and agriculture. We truly appreciate your voice that, that you're putting out there to the masses. Thanks, Ed. We uh, look forward to talking again soon. All right. Take care, guys. We'll see you too. Well, Corey, I hope we gave the people what they were asking for because I learned a heck of a lot with those four incredible minds. Some we're going to hear more from. uh, Those who did not have a past episode, which is three of the four, are going to be heard from again. So if you're wanting to know more, you will. But for now, we're focusing on the paling topic and holy cow. Um, what an awesome experience to, to have four same guys in the same episode talking about the same topic. So, uh, guys that are listening and girls, I hope you really enjoyed that. Um, because more of the story is times are changing. We just got to move on and, uh, be educated. Yeah. Just be be, uh, willing to change a little bit and understand where things are coming from before you form your own opinion. Just see both sides and understand why we've got to change. And although there are some growing pains in everything that we do, um, we just got to keep asking questions, make sure we're doing the right things. And luckily, uh, these four guys are mostly on the same page. So, hey, I'm just saying, if we could take Yorkshire's from being squatty and bow-legged to not squatty and bow-legged, <laughs> we can certainly move past this. It's, that's true. Speaking of genetics, I mean, thankfully, they look the way they do now. Plenty of muscle. I mean, I haven't been feeding much paleen. I said that in last week's episode. I haven't been feeding much of it anyway. So, yep. I mean, times are changing, and uh, we'll just move on. But Good holy stuff. buckets. Well, Trevor, I, I, I'm I'm excited for next week. What we got? Uh, we've got a very well-known sheep breeder, uh, a guy that's that's been putting on clinics and camps and um, developed his own feed ration even. He's, um, he's got his own feed. He's got his own feed. Uh, we've got Chad Charmison on next week. So for you sheep enthusiasts that listened throughout the length of this ractopamine discussion, uh, you should be excited because I am. Uh, we've had the fortune to buy um, one new so far off Chad and his family, but uh, really great sheep mind looking forward to that discussion for sure. You bet. Well, I hope uh, not only you pig enthusiasts out there are now full of knowledge, but share the good news. Guess what? Show pigs aren't going anywhere. We're going to keep feeding them. And we get to switch up species next week for those who want to hear more about the sheep discussion. First and foremost, make sure you jump on stocktalk-podcast.com, buy your merch, and if you're of age, 16 to 21, apply for the Build Your Legacy Scholarship. And of course, follow us on social media. Make sure you stay up to date with the show tour coming very, very soon, and give us a five-star review on iTunes to help us become more relevant to those who are still trying to find us. Guys, we love you to death. We wouldn't be doing this deal if it wasn't for you guys, and we continue to be thankful week in and week out. We love each and every one of you. Take care. <laughs>